Good morning. Good morning. Happy Tuesday. Here we go. We're going through the week. A couple yeah. days left. Made it, made it through Monday. So today we're talking about something that you may have noticed in your classrooms recently. It's something that we've heard that teachers are seeing all over the world. Across, everywhere. Yeah, across grade levels. Across grade levels. It's a common thing in teaching right now. And it is that attention spans and focus seem to be different than it was pre-pandemic. Yes. Yes, they do. Um, and one might even say, you know, shorter. Altered. Altered. Different than what we're used to. And certainly <laughs> trying to do many things at once. Yes, exactly. So a lot of the things that, you know, we're noticing, we meaning all teachers, right, hearing from people in different grade levels, different states, is that in general, it seems that attention span is is shorter and students tend to be a little more chatty and need a little more help getting things done than what we've seen before in the past, than what we're used to. For sure. And we've been saying this for years that attention spans be getting shorter. Mm. It's definitely because of the internet and the phones in our pockets. Sure. But one of the things that these kids have gone through that none of us went through is this huge pandemic. And the pandemic certainly, one, shortened the attention span, yeah. but it definitely changed it in a little bit too, at least with what... I'm seeing with what a couple other people say they're seeing. Yeah, I think a lot of it, I think there's a lot of reasons. Like if you unpack what students experienced during the pandemic, there are so many things that make sense as to why this is the case, right? For a lot of kids when they were in class, their behavior wasn't really impacting other people. You know, they were at home alone, camera probably off. And so they could be doing they could be as disruptive as they wanted to be and not realize that there is a reaction to that, that they're impacting someone else, you know? Right. And if we play this out to what developmentally happened during the pandemic, mm -hmm. and we're talking school-aged kids. Yeah. In March, everything shuts down. Mm -hmm. And they're probably not paying as close attention to the pandemic as we were. Right. All of a sudden, they know that we're doing a day at school at home. And yep. then that day turns into now we're actually going to be at school for two weeks until mm -hmm. it goes away. Mm -hmm. And then that two weeks just keeps extending. Yeah. So in the beginning, those habits weren't really there. They they were doing their best for online school. Sure. But then when the fall came and you were officially either in full online school or you had some type of hybrid, mm -hmm. they quickly adapted to what being at school meant. And yeah. It, and it meant... Being in your bedroom or being in the living room listening to a screen. Exactly. And it's that's such a good point because I, I don't think it's their fault. Like there's no shame or blame in this. It just is what happened, you know. S same thing as if it had happened to us. Oh, totally. Anybody. Totally. And we know that being being a student and going to, to school is a skill set, you know, like it requires certain things of you. And so they... Many of them missed out on that for actually over a year. A lot of kids were at home, many of whom I know, to no, no one's fault, were unsupervised. You know, like parents were essential workers. Right, or parents were on Zoom in a different room. Exactly. You know, maybe kids were just old enough to stay home. Or like you said, maybe, you know, people were at home, but they were still not directly supervising them. And so... I mean, we know this. We know that students were playing video games. We know that students were FaceTiming friends when in their head they were totally going to class and paying attention. <laughs> it's no different than, you know, when we're at home and we have a meeting. Mm -hmm. Sometimes you're checking your phone. You can see it on the screen. You know, the eyes are kind of looking down into the corner. Yep. But you're listening just enough. So if somebody says your name or if there's a question, you're, you're code switching into that. Yeah. 
and the kids probably think that they're really, really good at this because they did it for so long right. that they can think about something else, but just keep one ear open mm-hmm. for for their name or for that question or just being called upon. Yep. And yeah, they're trying to balance it here at school the same way they were trying to balance it at home. Right. So exactly. So you now you place them back into a classroom where teachers have the same expectations they've always had and students pretty much have the same expectations that they've had for the past a couple years and there's a mismatch right because kids think that they can multitask they're not thinking about necessarily how their behavior might impact others and it's it's we're seeing that in the classroom it's a learned behavior yeah same way you talked about school skills Mm -hmm. we didn't know what school skills were until it was missing because of the Mm -hmm. pandemic that's a good point we went to school it was a lot like how our parents went to school and how their parents went to school yeah every grade level was just this acceleration throughout the year but the day-to-day was really the same yeah and yeah you kind of learn how to be a student you learn how to sit quietly you learn how to take those notes you learn how to pay attention to the teacher yep and you had longer attention spans back then just because there was less stimulation than there is now yeah now they have that learned behavior of doing something else while they're in school because they were doing it at home for so long in such formative years yep we can't expect them to just to switch back into their pre-pandemic school selves. Exactly. And so we need to, you know, be mindful of that. And I think explicitly reteach some of, or not even reteach, maybe explicitly teach some of those school skills alongside all of the content, you know? And so it, I think it demands a lot of teachers to get students where they need to be. Um, I think they can get there. I really do. But I, I do think we need to be super cognizant of that. You made a nice point earlier where we're not saying that they're doing this in any sort of negative way. The students are doing this in any negative way. It's what they learn to do. And it's hard not to put judgment on it, Mm -hmm. but it just is the new behavior these days. And the responsibility does fall on us because Mm -hmm. we're more able to change our behavior. We can ask our students and we can want our students to change into that pre-pandemic proper school style behavior that they didn't realize that they knew yes as the adults we've seen what it was like before and it is rough to put the burden on the teacher yeah but we are the ones with the brain capacity to be able to see the different sides and to make strategies to change and the kids will respond to different things that we do you said we've always kind of done these things in the classroom but there's a few new things we have to be mindful of. Yeah, that's a great point. And I think that they are, you know, regular teaching practices, but using them a little more um, purposefully, I think, is really helpful. And one of them, I think, is really just framing explicitly for kids why you're doing something, almost to the point where it sounds corny. But I think sometimes they don't understand. It's not implied anymore. They can't necessarily pick up on the sort of the undercurrent of why you're doing something. And so saying for this next activity, we are going to stay in our seat and we're going to stay silent because people need quiet to think sometimes. And if we're making noise, that can be disruptive. So we're all going to stay in our seat. We're going to work, you know, things like you're like, I've never had to explain that so so often. Yeah. So simply and so often. But they, they need that reminder, you know? What I'm seeing is the, the main change is, is we still have to keep our teaching practices that we're already doing, but we have to do them more frequently. Mm. And we have to try and make them a little bit shorter. So the framing, we yeah. not only have to speed up our framing, but we have to do it more often to adjust to these shortened attention spans. 
and the fact that the first time you explain something, a student might have been daydreaming or thinking about something mm -hmm. else, and they've been trying to juggle both things in their mind. Yep. And a lot of times, I think kids think that they can do both. Yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> they think that they can daydream, and they can listen and hear the procedure. Yep. And I'm sure, I mean, we probably think that we can do that, too. Right. And I think that, yeah, I think that's a human thing, you know. And I think, too, that as the teacher, like, is that frustrating to have to do it more often? Sure, you can go that route. But also, if you just know that you're going to start doing that, I'm going to explain directions more frequently. I'm going to list directions in a visual way every time. And you just make that part of your practice. I think it eases the frustration around these behaviors you know instead of being like why is it like this blah 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 you can just do a couple of these things and it, it really helps and sort of gives some peace of mind and we got to be mindful that it isn't like it's just going to change next year it's going to get better the year after that no this is what learning is for kids now mm -hmm. and i i used to have the mindset that once we cycled through this current group of students who were in the pandemic mm -hmm. then we'll kind of get back to a small sense of normalcy that we had pre-pandemic yeah. but their phones are just as addicting. Yeah. Instagram and TikTok and shorts and snap. It's snap. Yep. It's all very quick, very engaging. Yeah. So it makes me think I have to find ways to be quicker and more engaging. You talked about framing. Yeah. And you started to talk about the directions. Mm -hmm. My directions just have to be shorter. They yeah. have to be a little simpler. I have to make it accessible where they can see it. Yep. And I might have to give the directions five minutes later and then five minutes after that yes and then i might have to do more checks for understanding instead of giving the directions yeah i used to only give one or two checks for understanding maybe i need to give four or five right really quick just to make sure that everybody has it and then move on yeah and it, it's i i had a school leader once who said you know we teach the kids we have not the kids we want right and i actually thought there was a lot of wisdom to that because I'm sure that every person for centuries, you know, has been like, I wish that the kids would just blah, blah, blah. You know, I'm sure that that's... You, you think Socrates had that one student <laughs> in his audience, Socrates Johnson? Socrates Johnson. Exactly. And it's, it's. I think about that sometimes with the way the world is changing, like you said, and, and technology. And we need to teach the kids we have, you know, and so thinking of where their brains are and how their brains are growing up so differently than ours, you know, I didn't get the internet until high school I certainly didn't have a cell phone you know and trying to change your practice a little bit to better serve them you know chunking things into shorter time periods even there's a lot now about gamifying the classroom and incorporating things like that and challenges you know really thinking about what's going to work for the kids who are in my seats right now when we first had our teacher training yeah. I think we had kind of stock our classes and you'd have a five-step lesson plan. And you could almost think about all of those five chunks as 10 minutes each yeah. with a 10-minute gap on the other side. But you'd have a pretty quick bell work, mm -hmm. two or three minutes. And then you might have a quick hook. But then your intro to new material, then your guided practice and your independent practice, I remember learning are about five to 10-minute chunks. Yeah. And I don't think we can really expect that anymore like I even think maybe five minutes of independent work time is a struggle without someone wanting to talk or get up and go do something. Yeah. And I'm not saying that you still shouldn't try and find time for those five minutes, mm -hmm. but you just have to practice a little more patience that it looks different now. Yeah. And build up the stamina, you know? And so if you sense that your kids actually can't really work truly independently for more than four minutes, 
just start with four minutes. Work on a four-minute task that's still going to push their achievement, you know, their mastery, and then maybe add a minute. And I think sometimes tell them, you know, we're going to do an extra minute today, you know, and praise them when they get there. And over the course of the year, you can build that five minutes up to 15 or whatever. But to just throw that at them, I I think it sets everyone up for failure and frustration. Like you said, we need the framing in the yep. beginning. There was an exercise I saw a couple months ago asking students to be silent for just two minutes. <laughs> okay. And it, it it does actually seem to be quite challenging for them. And huh. the older they are, the easier they can do it. Sure. But you don't display the timer. You just have it be this, oh. you know, guess how long two minutes will be. Ooh. And, you know, you start your own timer, but you don't display it. And you ask the students, all right. Let's see if we can be quiet for two minutes. Yeah. And then ask them how they feel afterwards. And you realize two minutes is quite a long time. Yeah. That would be a really interesting advisory activity, actually. I love that. Yeah. So a couple more strategies. We talked about framing. We talked about giving directions. We talked about chunking. I'm thinking I need to get away from this five or even a seven-step lesson plan that I used to have. Yep. And I need to think of it as just smaller and smaller increments. And I guess this is related to the chunking that you're saying. Yeah. But when I'm planning and I'm writing my slides, I'm not going to get through six or seven slides of bullet points that they need to write down in their notebooks. Right. Because someone's going to have a question. Mm -hmm. And questions are great, but we let them go off on other tangents. And then it's really hard to get them back to go back to those slides. Right. So I can frame it as we have two slides of info. Yes. And then... We'll do a turn and talk. And yes. then we have two more slides of info. Totally. And then we'll get up and do some whole brain teaching. Yep. But doing the tricks that we already know as teachers, but just knowing that we have to do them quicker, more frequently, and it has to be a judgment-free zone yeah. where it isn't going to go back to the way it used to be teaching. Like we're just going to learn to adapt. Mm -hmm. And sooner or later, new teachers that are going to come into the profession. Yeah. That's what their professional development will be about. Yeah, their training is going to look different than ours, you know, and I'm, I'm thinking you just made me think of something I learned years ago when I was a new teacher that this could probably be a whole nother episode, but it was a lesson planning structure that my district was um, pushing where it was basically the lesson cycle of, you know, I&M guided independent multiple times per lesson based on sub objectives. So you would write your objective for the day. And then you might have three or four smaller objectives that lead up to that one. But for each sub-objective, you would do a small lesson cycle. And I, I found that it was actually really great, at least for middle school brains, because it felt so quick and so urgent, but there was still this very purposeful scaffolding towards the end, you know? So you would do, you would have your main objective. Yeah. You would have a couple sub-objectives. Yeah. You would have basically a mini lesson cycle within each sub-objective. Yep. So you're introducing it, they're practicing it, you're checking for understanding. Yep. And then you're going to the next one. Yep. Yeah. We could do that for another episode. It's kind of fun to geek out on, like a different type of lesson planning structure. I love that. Yeah. And this is, yeah, for the general lesson, projects are a different thing. Asynchronous work is a different thing. We're right. probably still seeing the same things. Right. But... I'd say more often than not, direct instruction is a big part of our practice. Yep. And understanding how attention spans are now post-pandemic mm -hmm. and what focus is like post-pandemic, we'll just learn to change. Yeah, we got to change it up a little bit. And I, I don't think, um, I know there's a lot of sort of 
hopelessness sometimes around this. I don't, I don't think that's the case. I think we just need to think a little bit differently. I think we need to get creative. And I think that at the end of the day, kids are kids. They always have been. And the adults need to learn how to best tap into them, you know? It's perspective. Yeah, that's true. Obviously, when you're in the middle of the pandemic, you're wishing for all the things that it used to be. Mm-hmm. I think only now we're far enough removed from how it felt when it first started mm-hmm. to be reflective. That's a good point. Because it wasn't that long ago. No, it's just this is what the world looks like now. Yeah, I love that. All right. Well, I think this is great. It's making me want to go back through my lessons to make sure that you know, I'm keeping <laughs> these things in mind. I've yeah. got shorter directions. I'm chunking it. I've got framing, and I'm reframing, and I'm recycling through those sub-objectives. Yep. Let's, uh, let's go practice what we preach. You ready? Let's go get it. Okay. Happy Tuesday, everybody. See you tomorrow morning. Bye. Bye.